Hey there, this is Kristen Williams with The Trans Advocate. Today we have on the podcast the regular crew, which is Robin Mack and Alexis. And today we're going to be talking about a few things that have been going on in the community, and we're going to be specifically focusing on the the trans archive specifically uh i know that we've got a few things coming in we're going to kind of unbox on the air as it is the various things that have come in kind of talk about uh their meaning uh their history uh and and why it's important to preserve uh, this history and have this history in the hands of the trans community itself. You're starting to worry me a little bit. Well, if we don't know the history. Of the new things. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's so, really a big buildup. <laughs> well, well, hoping there's nothing slithered out of the box. Or <laughs> well, you know, yeah. If if we don't know the history, that's part of the the fun of collecting trans history. Is you know, we we know that this is part of our story and part. Part of the fun is looking back on where did this come from, what was its context, what is its story, and you know that that's pretty cool. And uh, okay, so we we know that there's history. That's where we're starting from. I got <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, they sent it to us for some reason. I I, I, re- <laughs> I remember being here one day when we got an Ebony magazine, and Alexis and I were looking through it, saying, "Okay, well, let, let's look." and I mean, we were a good 30 pages into the magazine until we found out at the back it said uh, something to the effect of female impersonators. Oh. Right. You know? That was from that was 1948, Ebony. And I can tell you that it, the things that they said in that Ebony magazine and that, that are there wouldn't fly in today's print. Would not. Would not. <laughs> it would be a real problem, discrimination. It, it was right where the Lady Jessica was getting uh, really, uh, let's just say, people were making their comments about her life and her decisions. And on the cover of the Ebony magazine was said, top ten white people who who are negroes and it was like that would never <laughs> never pass so so if you just if you look at the cover you're like i wonder why they're sending this to us but it, but then if you're 30 pages in you're like oh okay and the reverse was true too because in the article they were highlighting the basically what we would call drag queens now mm-hmm. or you know female impersonators or something they were highlighting that in a very honoring way like a come oh, check okay, it out cool. at the bar this is amazing sort of article uh which we don't necessarily always see you know yeah. right i remember one time I, I got this package it came to the trans center and like it was from japan i'm thinking what yeah. the hell <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out to be this book and a bunch of like, um, I guess it was campaign, you know, stuff mm. from uh, apparently the first out trans person elected to hold office in Japan. And I would, that, you know, it wow. was at that moment that I realized that having you a trans archive alone. is really important to the trans community. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I, I remember getting a box that had a very nice photograph of a performer, mm-hmm. and mm. the costume was in the box. Wow. That's amazing. And there wasn't much of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a fairly small box. 
<laughs> and, 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 you know, it seems fairly delicate, but, yeah, it, it is what she was wearing in the photo. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and, and part of it was exactly how careful are you with it. And lots of reasons for being careful. I'll just leave that there and let everyone imagine themselves. <laughs> Or there's things where you don't really have to figure it out, and it's still really neat. And uh, one time we got a poster was from the Rocky Horror, and it was in what kind of writing? Was it Chinese, Japanese, it's Japanese, it was, Japanese? Oh. I mean, you you don't have to figure that out, but that's still cool. And, and, no kidding. And, and you know, we did have someone who speaks Japanese check to see what it really said. Uh-huh. So I'm always suspicious. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, so one of the things we got is this. What, what is that? It has a smiley face on it. it the it, box has a smiley face on it. That's questionable. And has a smiley face. And it's brown, and it's about as... Oh! It's a book? A book? And it, this looks like a really... A little small book. Old book. Uh-oh, like should you take the wrapper very, off? Very, very I'm not an archivist, okay, but... So, this is obviously leather bound and it's small. About two inches wide by probably four inches, maybe yeah, four inches long. About an inch thick. It's a little mini book. Oh, a mini book? Okay, let's huh. see here. It's so neat. And, and the, the cover papers are very Whoa. interesting because they're, they, they look like it's probably handmade paper and... Uh, what kind of text? Good guy. Any text? Okay, so this is from 1904. Whoa. And it's titled L'Amour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and it's got a picture here. Uh-oh. And it's of two lovers. Woo! Woo! Okay. <laughs> it's already so, making so, so much blush. So what's the history of... Oh, it has lots of pictures. Whoa. That, is it English? Um, no, it looks like, I guess this is French. I think Whoa. it was supposed to be French, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, so it has plates in it. It's got the uh, protective paper uh, before huh. each plate. Um, is there a note in the box? Well, that, I mean, because that's one of the things that we acquired. Um, a lot of times we'll go out and raise money mm-hmm. and to acquire something that, uh-huh. that we find. Here you and, go. Did, and, they, did they write us a note, or this is no, something no, that we this, bought? This we did purchase. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, and it would have been really good if I'd looked up what it said about it on the purchase. <laughs> it was a long time ago, and it took a while to get here. This is so nice. It's about two inches by three inches. But it, wow. It, 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 it is on topic, and it's old, and it's really neat. I'll put it that way. It's okay. really neat. And looking at the notes, um, so, so... There okay, are some okay, pictures so, in it. So, apparently, it has the story of... Um, a pair of lovers uh-huh. who, uh, I guess, fall in love. Sure. Um, and it turns out, oh, it turns out that one of the people are is uh, is trans, and so it talks about how their you know love uh, survived the discovery that this person was trans and moved forward. So that's 1904. <laughs> You know, oh, wait a second. I thought all this trans stuff was something stuff. new. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that, though, because that takes it back to the no-ho, no-op days, you know? Like, <laughs> no, you know, what, what did our siblings do when they didn't just have all these doctor scripts? <laughs> I love it. Keeping it au naturel. <laughs> you just go by how you declare you are. <laughs> and no one's really going to check. You know? <laughs> One of the things I, that people find interesting about the Transgender Archives 
they're like, well, this was the last 20 years this has been around. It's like, well, you want to see the 1600 newspapers talking about it? Or you want to see the 1905 or 1915? And, and, and it's always interesting to see the reaction when they're like, so this is a copy. And it's like, no, that, that's real. It's the real deal. Oh, yeah. and, and watch what happens to their eyes as they're holding it in their face. They're like, this is what <laughs> well and we're in a very don't touch society right so they're like ah, i'm touching something that belongs in a museum <laughs> like ah. and, and then i usually get the question of well, well how many of these are there i'm like oh i think that's the only one that we know <laughs> that's of. like it's the probably one really the only one yeah. like, uh, okay <laughs> here take this back, take it back. <laughs> like, like i'm not clumsy give me a break <laughs> I really enjoyed setting up at the uh, Pride Festival this year and having uh, our archive being out in the archive tents and the one of the most seen talked about pictures we had was Ruth RuPaul right you know I mean just how many people circled around the table to, to talk about RuPaul and ask questions and oh, wow. you know okay. Ru, Ru's still keeping us popular and the question frequently started out with okay is that a real picture of RuPaul and is that really RuPaul's handwriting it's like Look at it from the side if you want. It was signed in ink. This isn't pre-printed. It's a note to us. We do have several of them. <laughs> Different kinds, etc. But, uh, and, and that would draw people into the other things. And since they were stopped, they'd look at some of the other things that were really more interesting to uh -huh. me than the RuPaul <laughs> signature. And they'd spend forever. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and fortunately, Kuma was stationed there. And so when <laughs> they got into the uh, RuPaul stuff, Kuma was perfectly, perfectly. ready to, to go in and discuss everything. So here's some stuff. Did, want, want to, would you Let's like see. to unpack this stuff? Okay, great. So at first, it looks like a little plastic giveaway <laughs> okay. bag. Okay, it's a Ziploc bag. Uh, a a yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like, there's some things in it, and uh, that maybe someone got in an event or something. Um, so, is this? I there's think that's a books. matchbook cover. Okay, there's there's a matchbook cover. Where, where We're, from? What does it say? It smells great. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's not. What, what does it say? Oh. B I G I. Wait a minute. Something room? The BG room? That's beige. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the beige room. The okay. beige room was um, th this kind of female impersonator, uh, gay club. How did I God, miss it? Back <laughs> I, in San Francisco, they I think they opened in like the 40s or something oh i wasn't old enough to drive yet and then it has uh <laughs> two books one that was 75 cents which i love that 75 cent 75 book. cent that book was an expensive book for some time period called i was male and, it <laughs> <laughs> and on the cover it has like the best looking queen you could imagine like <laughs> <laughs> She's holding an amazing stare. Um, and it says, uh, a story that makes Christine Jorgensen's and even, oh, Hetty Joe's stars read like Dick and Jane. <laughs> oh, no. Well, well, yeah, That's some amazing. Of the costumes we have. We, we have her costumes. Hetty Joe's stars costumes. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And there's a, it has a little bit of a, the rest of the series that you could buy on the back like it has pictures of different covers and then so, so what uh -huh. year was that book let's see 
Um, I love how you give this to the person who doesn't read. No, okay. I was going to say, you can't read all of it. You just want the <laughs> Right, <play>. right. <laughs> you just want it. So it's about 90 pages, and there's a few pictures on the inside. Uh, I'm looking for a date. I don't. No date. No oh, date. On the bottom, it says uh, 1965. Oh, 65. Okay. Yes, 1965. And then the other book uh, says <laughs> fully illustrated. <laughs> <laughs> My, you know this is for a cis audience, yes, predominantly. Yes, it says "My Unique Change" by okay. Hetty Jo Starr. Oh, so okay. she wrote books, or she oh, drew she books? Wrote several books. Okay, great. So, so what's the biggest thing to know about Hetty Jo Starr? The most okay. important thing? Anyone know? I just uh, knew that she was a per- she was a performer in New Orleans. Yep. Well, she was. Uh, would be her contribution to American rock culture. No, nope, predominantly. That she had the first bottom surgery in in America. You got it. Boo-hoo. First sex change surgery in the U.S. I knew no, that, no, but no, like no, that no, wasn't that's not true. All of this stuff started about ten years ago because of some <laughs> radical alt left uh, Obama conspiracy. No, that was just the church that complained about it that started about ten years ago. <laughs> so so yeah, this was also in 1965. This book. Oh. So what was going on in 65 that all this know, trans stuff? I was going to her shows in New Orleans a lot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that'd be about the right thing. In fact, that was the right thing. Yeah, six, yep, it was. It's a, she was the first drag performer I ever saw. Oh. Which sort of warped me for the rest of it because she actually was really good. <laughs> And, and that was like, okay, that's it. Yep, that's that's what I want to be, except I can't look like that or move like that or <laughs> sing like that or anything else, but that's okay. Well, and then she went on to create costuming for, um, uh, you know, lots and lots and lots of Vegas shows and rock stars. And um, I think we've got some performance uh, costumes that we, she had made. We do. And... Really, it was almost like anything in that time frame that had feathers that were really big and overdone. She, she probably created or someone copied hers. This is this is pretty amazing. So I'm just opening up the first page, and it says, Grandma Vincent held her six-month-old granddaughter in her arms. She tenderly stroked the child's skin and gently examined the tiny fingers. And then she looked up at her granddaughter and son-in-laws who were smiling proudly at their first board. This is no boy, Grandma said. This is a girl. Yeah, today we would be discussing whether Hedy Joe Starr was intersex, maybe? Oh. That's what I thought. I, was, I said that kind of sounds a bit else, intersex. When I was growing up, which would be uh-huh. around 65 and uh-huh. center with this, I never heard the word intersex. Well, of course. Right. And, and hermaphrodite had a totally different meaning because mm-hmm. it was very specific. And so, yeah. It, if, it, it, if we're just getting to the point now where everybody knows it's not the best thing to talk about genitals or the best thing to lead with that question, <laughs> like, well, what surgeries have you had or haven't had? But it was, it was rough because... And that's the thing I think that surprises a lot of people. If you start it, be ready to go wherever you're going to go. But yeah. Today, you, you may get someone who says, I don't want to talk about that, but you might get someone who has been waiting to explain everything to someone. <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, I, I, culture has definitely changed. I used to go and do, you know, Trans 101 for, you know, schools and whatever. Uh, I think I started doing that in the 90s, maybe mid-90s or something. And the first question out of everyone's lips back then was, have you had the surgery? 
did it hurt? What does it look like? That sounds like a tattoo. You know, me introducing myself before they know my name, really. You know, let's talk about your genitals. Yeah, and and that seems to be the things that people want to concentrate on. (laughs) Well, even in 2008, when I was at the Transgender Center, so many people, their conversation was, when are you going to get the surgery? The surgery, the surgery. Even in community. The surgery. There's only one surgery. And I'm like, which one? The facial? I mean... Then someone told me. <laughs> like, 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 which one? The facial one? The tummy tuck? The the chest surgery? The bottom surgery? They act as if it's just so accessible and completely in my budget during the economy crash. The brow reduction, the Adam's apple reduction. Some people are you know, having feet done. So uh, I mean, yeah, give me a break. There's so many things that which people one? might not which have Which one? No, no, there's only one surgery, and all of it started 10 years ago by the alt-left. And you're not anything until you have the one. What? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. And if you read the books, it takes about an hour. It's (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah, you could... And and you've had, like, these 15... According to most people, you can just go right back to work. Yeah, yeah. You know, the little paperback. Sort of like some of the ones that we have in the archives. Uh But, but, you know, it's the fantasy version of it. You go to the reality version, and... Uh, it seems to take a lot longer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I've had a shoulder another... surgery and the recovery is three months. Like, that is, that is yeah, rough. You, know, what you is... get to figure out what this one is. It came in the mail. It's another acquisition of ours. We're <laughs> actually like... going to start doing formal fundraising practices. Guess what it is. Until right before we okay. need to buy something. So, in this bag was another bag. So, we bought a bag. This is a bag. I think we have like six bags in bags or something. I'm okay. not sure. This one hasn't been opened. I literally That's opened the box. That's an interesting way to Only pack something. I opened the box was to make sure there were no creepy crawlies inside that we crawl it out. Definitely looks... Okay, that was the second bag. We have yet another bag. There's two more down here that it came out of if you want them. <laughs> That's what I gave up. Okay, wow. This is like kind of heavy and it's, it feels... Yeah, it's... Hollow? Metal? Oh, Okay, so this is huh. inkwell. Horse- it, oh, okay. It's a horseshoe inkwell. God, oh. this looks like maybe a hundred years old or something. Whoa. It says the county fair. It has the profile of someone's face. Uh, Neil Borges. Uh, let's see. And it has down at the bottom, it says... Seasons 1889, 1890, 1891. Drag performers performed at county fairs, at theaters, and all like that. But I believe the county fair part on this has to do with the actual show that they were performing. It was county oh, fair. Oh, and it okay. would be performed in New York at a major theater. And it was drag performance. At a major so, theater. Okay, Hold so, on. Not a hole in the wall. The, so we're acting was, like Stonewall's our only pivotal time. So, <laughs> yeah, so this we were on a major theater. Mm-hmm. From the 1800s, um, this is, uh, I guess... Oh, it's not new? Huh. Yeah. Here we no, go again. No. Well, <laughs> I have a so, friend, Alexis, that says, honey, some decades are better than others. 
<laughs> so I guess the the inkwell goes in the base, and this uh, um, this it's it's kind of it. Oh, I don't know, maybe six inches tall. It's kind of a horseshoe that's standing up on edge. So is it for makeup? In the, Inkwell, and I guess two places to hold a pen. Yeah, there's. Oh. Well, the, it has Here actual horseshoe nails that are used for the pins, and, Ooh, and the inkwell would be a little glass container that what goes in the base that's, that's oh, missing, but okay. they almost always are missing. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. This is interesting. So it's it's probably a total of you know less than the size of my palm i actually have big hands so it occurs to me that some of the ink will may be in the box here because I, I haven't unwrapped that oh, okay <laughs> and, and rather than go through lots of crumply paper we'll look in a little bit but but this is this is when they sold uh what i want to say i guess they were souvenirs mm -hmm. for shows like that okay and, and this was back before the the drag king drag queen community decided to ignore the fact that female impersonators and drag queens were different uh, <laughs> mm. yeah so it's interesting that i mean this this kind of tells you a different story you know if you listen to some uh, political people and talking heads on different shows you know supposedly all this gender reversal gender play gender queering stuff is brand new or happened in the last 10 or 20 years but here we have artifacts from the 1800s where people were buying like profiles of female impersonators people who deliberately played with gender and apparently this is something that's large it would sit on your desk be a prominent piece and you'd use it because it's a useful item and the other thing about it was this was respectable theater and when you think about mm -hmm. playing with gender mm -hmm. in theater and that sort of thing it, it's sort of funny that all of these people that talk about anything like that as being negative and, and just horrible forget about this person named, I think it was Shakespeare. Shh, no, we're not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> all of this is brand new. That you know, it so, wasn't exactly, thank you, Obama. It wasn't exactly, exactly a uh, sexual equality thing in Shakespeare's <laughs> theater, since all of the roles were played by. Sort of genetic males, uh -huh. that some of them were awfully effeminate, but that's all okay. Uh huh. And they specialized in playing women's roles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and you know, it's interesting. Whenever you look at the the way trans people were talked about, and if I look at some of our papers, uh, specifically from the 1700s, 1800s, and the, I guess even the early 1900s, um, when papers would report on trans people, um, it's not in... So, you look at how trans people are portrayed in the media now, or in the UK especially, it's it's got this salacious kind of sexualized, like, you know, there's a trans panic kind of thing, but when you look back in time the reporting is pretty matter-of-fact kind of straightforward and if it has a slant it tends to be this pseudo medicalized speak you know about you know well this person worked with you know a, a doctor there was a f to m um in virginia that uh, we've got the court proceedings 
where the doctor is talking about the medical uh, the medical procedures that this trans man went through and now is definitely a man and and things but even in all of that and the the reporting around that it's not like sexualized and, and a lot of it had to do with activities that were unusual and, and they are i mean mm-hmm. uh, for instance someone would be in the army in the military they would serve a complete time they retire from the military and it turns out that they were genetically female but to be allowed to serve in the military they presented themselves as male for 10 years 20 years right. some period. and now that they're no longer in the military they're retired they're like okay i'm gonna go back to being the girl i was and <laughs> and, and you know that's not terribly unusual i as, as i recall there was um a, a, a news story i, I want to say this was from the 1700s uh, it had to be england and i think it was like something it was some sort of military person um and and it was them going to court to talk about their right to wear men's clothes in and even though this person was uh you know sex female at birth they were going to wear men's clothes and you know have the right to be addressed as male yeah again nothing new and and if it's one I'm thinking about, it's pretty well known. So I'm going to let people figure it out themselves. <laughs> they were French. They went to live in the UK. Oh, you're talking about <laughs> Dion. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. This oh, was you're not. Thinking, you mean there's yes. more? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's like so, somebody that we all know pretty well at one point in time just sort of said, you know, we're everywhere. <laughs> right. You know, it's funny. You know. Oh God. Back in the. So 80s, 90s, it's like the, the go-to person to talk about trans issues was Christine Jorgensen. And it's interesting that a lot of people now don't even know who she was. <laughs> but if they want to listen to records that she made, we have stacks of them. All this, <laughs> it's all the same record. They're yes. all signed. But in the archives, I, I, I think it was since there was none of the late night, uh, you know, We'll give you two for one if you just call in. Joe, <laughs> we ended up with some of them because I don't think they sold too well, or if they did, people bought them to give them to archives like we mm-hmm. have. We do have plenty. Yes, well, we have a bunch. I and I remember going through and finding one that was signed, and I was thinking, "Wow, that's pretty amazing." We've got uh, Jorgensen's signed interview, and, and it's like the record isn't music. It's this very stoic man doing this interview, this very, very serious interview with Christine Jorgensen. And Christine, interestingly, of course, the word transsexual or transgender was not in her lexicon. And so it's interesting to hear her describe her experience without those terms. Well, yeah, and, and that's one of the things I think people miss is the terminology is pretty new in a lot well, of Well, how did she describe herself? What, did she just describe herself as a woman? So, in, in essence, yes. Um, though she used kind of, again, this kind of pseudo-medicalized um, description that there, you know, perhaps some of her hormones were at different levels and therefore... Mm. This is why she's who and what and, you know, she is. So, 
And do you feel like that's where it got more medical based? Because when, when you start the conversation off about talking about, you know, theater, mainstream theater and how there was a lot of gender play and gender blurriness. And then Alexis talking about how people went in and out of the military, you know, doing their military duty and then going back to being a woman. And when they got out, it it occurs for me that the conversation of gender has gotten very binary and surgical and mm. hormone based. Well, and I mean, I wonder when that took that turning point. I, I think, I think actually that whole medical stuff that Christine Jorgensen was doing was to counterbalance a, a, a narrative that seems to have been really injected into the American conscience sometime in the 30s we have a ton and a half of 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 bills from um you know city shows carnivals every carnival back then had a sideshow and a freak and that's where show. you get the freak conversation and, and you would uh -huh. have this you know person playing with gender in some some fashion and it was always highly sexualized because a lot of those shows part of the show part of the draw was a peep show you know mm -hmm. and so this type of gender play someone uh you know sex male at birth or female at birth was highly sexualized and this was these were shows going to small towns throughout america and so just you know after decade after decade of debt and after decade of that narrative being injected into you know small town usa's understanding of gender diversity when Christine Jorgensen came on to you know the national conscience, she had to kind of say, "Okay, your understanding of this stuff is is of my experience is not uh, really well informed." Uh, my experience was defined by going through this medical process, and she really put it in terms of this medicalized language. So I think that that's why she was doing it, because at the time, the conversation of trans stuff was very, you know, kind of engineered to be sexual. Well, but but it wasn't trans stuff, because we didn't call it that or anything. No, like of course and, not. And, and one of the things that was interesting was that usually any of the shows that Christine Jorgensen did at the time, and this is hearing about it a short while after they were around, were disappointing to people. Mm. Because she was pretty plain looking. Yeah. yeah she it, wasn't flashy. She didn't do, you know, she mm -hmm. wasn't performing. She was just there as a person. Right, right. And in fact, uh, later in life, in the 70s, she started doing these kind of variety show type of, you know, right. 70s variety show kind of theater sh it, show but, where but, she would tell jokes and whatnot. Yeah, and, and it was almost the vamp type of mm -hmm. approach. But she wasn't like the most vampy vamp around. <laughs> she was pretty dull. <laughs> and 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 if you listen to a lot of the stuff she's talking about, it's actually very modern in a way because she was talking about the fact that the surgery was corrective, mm -hmm. that that it was just making her as she is. Right. Right. And and that's pretty much what we talk about now. It it it's corrective surgery to essentially make the body match everything else right and and interestingly the the issues that she was dealing with uh in 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 the in the public sphere 
was is still the issues that the trans community is currently deal, dealing with. She had to deal with, she was in the army, you know, trans people in the army were still dealing with that. She was, she wanted to be married, uh, but she had a male birth certificate and the folks in New York would not change it. And so she was having to deal with people saying she's in the wrong bathroom. No, you can't get married. Um, you're really a dude. So, and, and, you know, her boyfriends being shamed in the media and those kinds of things that um, trans people still are dealing with. And, and, you know, one of the things that, happened a lot when I was teenage and when I was a teenager type thing is there was lots of discussions about this for the trans community and the real question is well maybe we should just start suing the doctors for sexiness wrong to begin with <laughs> and it, it I, I don't know of, it, of anyone who really did it but it was seriously talked about and this was this was in the 60s and things were fairly radical and it's like you know I'm a girl. I'm not a guy. The doctor wrote it down wrong. He ruined my life. I'm going to go sue him for millions of dollars. I think that might have cleared things up very quickly. There might be something up there. Like, there might be something there. Know, let's just leave this blank for a few years so we figure out where it should go. I once heard a poet say, uh, hopefully this will be the last generation where we prescribe gender. Oh. And Canada is making some headway in that, but I mean, not with any easy steps. The parents who don't want a gender on their kid's birth certificate are getting a lot of pushback. And I heard that California, what is it? California is going to be the first, uh, I guess, state in our union that is going to officially recognize non-binary gender status. Well, I think I think uh, Oregon has something like that on the driver's uh, license. Yes, on the, yeah, but do. but as far as birth certificate goes, you know, you do have to wait quite some time to get that reversed. You know, mm -hmm. but if you were starting from I don't know out the chute, um, <laughs> it might make things a little easier. Well, and and one of the things, and the intersex community is pushing this pretty hard. They're like. How do you know? How do you know? <laughs> you think about it, it's a you know, three to five second quick look and we're just going to pick your life for you. Exactly. It's right. scary, especially if you're talking about the intersex side of things. Well, it's you not know, obvious. Uh, they're reducing sex, which is a multifaceted issue, to uh, one thing and one thing only, a cursory look between the legs and that's it. We're not going to consider genotype, phenotype, none of that stuff. That's not part of what sex is. And, and people's lives are then set in a certain course and, and their lives are greatly impacted. I mean, and that also starts to touch on the birth industry. You know, mm. that, that's a... The, Interesting the, that you... The you, more you, you know about, about that industry... In industry. Oh, it's an industry. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know about it, the less you want to know about it. <laughs> you know, uh, but, but I mean, think about it. The person who gets a five-second glance is documenting somebody for the rest of their life. And we're, mm -hmm. we're over here trying to ask politicians to get educated, to care enough, to make time enough to change policy years later, you know, right. for people. So, I mean, maybe we're uh, focusing on the, and, and you know, on the wrong people. The birth doctor. More but, and more, the more I sit here and think about it, I'm like, you know, maybe I need to think about going back to the 60s. Hmm. But, you know. Yeah, what, what decade can we bring back? Because this is not it, the 
it's interesting <laughs> that this medical document, this document of medical live birth, is the only medical opinion that is unassailable. It can never be challenged, no matter what uh, expert, medical expert, comes along later in life. It is written in stone and cannot be questioned. And... It's a document that wouldn't pass any insurance company's muster. <laughs> there are no tests given. It's just mm-hmm. the doctor doing a quickie mm-hmm. glance and giving an opinion. It's like, these days you have to have tests if you think you have a hangnail. <laughs> right. Okay, we're going to need right. you know, 17 blood tests. Uh, we're, we, yeah, we're going to need an MRI for sure. Definitely an MRI. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, but you have to get like, the x-ray first before you get the MRI. Yeah, oh, we got to do the x-ray to make yeah, the MRI. You definitely you. do. <laughs> oh, and you're not going to fit through the tube, so you have to get a stand. MRI and, and, doctor, and insurance doesn't cover that and he said you know to cover my butt because my insurance requires me right to do it. so yeah that hang know, now but there's one thing it's like oh no, no by the way don't, don't forget that. to sign up for your insurance not that they're marketing that this year <laughs> you know and, and and that's really a big part of the problem is that we're still stuck I don't know how far back. Probably the first time we started noticing that maybe there are a few different kinds of people. You know, know, and radical feminists in America were noting that this whole idea of a binary sex body system is a cultural construct. It's not something that's truly biological. And you've got, um, I think there was a book written by Ruth Hirschberger in the 40s that was talking about how women are supposed are going through all of these types of um, you know processes to change their bodies and various binding contraptions and molding contraptions to force female forms into looking the way that is supposedly natural in this natural body binary system when in fact what we have is a spectrum of body attributes that are can be looked at as male or female. And, and you know, the, the big thing about it, it's not like we do that in print on television and everywhere else. <laughs> exactly. and, you know, fortunately, it's getting a little bit better because I think most people grew up thinking that the only bodies were the ones that you saw in magazines. And I know when I used to have my scuba diving stores, we would get double extra large wetsuits <laughs> from California that were size seven or eight. Oh. <laughs> we, we would remove the sizes because we're like, you know, this is not a real person. This is like a Barbie doll person. And I mean the doll part because it, it's like that's just ridiculous to think that that's an extra large. You know, and part of the medical narrative, the narrative that's out in the, uh, uh, that I've always seen part of the media is some non-trans person wringing their hands talking about the morality of all these sad and pathetic you know body modifications that trans people are going through and why don't we do something about it when they are not even paying attention to the multi-billion dollar uh, makeup hair uh, surgical industry that cis people keep afloat year in year out day after day i mean how many men get breast reduction surgeries in our country how many women get breast enlargement surgeries in our country (laughs) i mean how many people spend money and time trying to make their bodies fit this norm that's supposedly naturally biologically normal And, and i think that's a big part of it that i find interesting because it it's only when it's 
changes something that they've decided to make a political issue. Mm-hmm. And there's a group of politicians that sort of fish around for new issues so they can go do that. <laughs> and, and I'm convinced that part of the um, trans support network people that go out and fight the people on the other side, it's like a codependent thing. <laughs> they, they, they keep them afloat so they'll have someone to go raise money against. <laughs> oh. and, and, and if all of the evangelical Christians who hate trans people went away, what would some of the other organizations do? And I certainly would never mention the one that is my favorite with that. But uh, Does it start with an H? Yes, it does. Oh. <laughs> does it have three letters? <laughs> Are we playing a different game now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it... it you look at it and you're like, this is a codependent thing. Uh-huh. What, what would happen if all of the evangelicals who hate us, officially hate us, probably outdating us, but whatever, if they, uh-huh. if, if they all went probably. away, then what would all these organizations do? And, you know, when gay marriage came in, a bunch of them were scrambling like crazy to find a new cause. <laughs> they didn't want to go the March of Dimes direction or... The League of Women Voters direction where it's like, oh my gosh, we won. Now what are we doing? That's how I was getting paid. And I, I loved how Ed Emmett said, like, when he really looked at it, what was there for him is, why is it even an issue? Mm-hmm. You know, why, why, why? Why is it an issue? Well, it's an issue because the same people who have their penises out on the net right now are making it an issue. Yeah, the, the extreme anti-everything people don't know exactly how the picture got taken and put out there, yeah. but admit it, it was what, there. Wait, wait, wait. Did you say that his story was the camera fell down no, no, his no, pants? No, someone <laughs> that was commenting on the fact he didn't know how it could have been, how it was taken. And so they were like, well, I, I, I guess it's one of those, the camera slipped. And so it went where it went. It slipped it the down away. their pants or up their skirt. What? <laughs> So, so, so you don't Uh-oh. know how you sort of exposed yourself, took a picture, and sent it to someone. Okay, got it. And and I will give him credit, oh, sort of. God. That he just was it put, a selfie? Yeah, <laughs> dating, exactly. dating apps these days, you know, you know it gives and, everyone away. And you know, he did just give up and start apologizing for it and apologize for some things that no one knew he'd done. Uh oh. Uh oh. And he is a Republican. Uh-oh. Politician God. in Texas, Uh-oh. Uh, just south of Dallas, and that. No, Uh-oh. this was like one of those anti-trans politicians. Yeah, that me. would be the one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm always suspect about those people. Like, what are you right. hiding? They're, they're, they're anti-GOBT. He's anti-GOBT. Period. He is the darling of several of the anti-GOBT hate groups. They love him. He loves them. And maybe it's not like, so much. It's like they're know. working through their inner homophobia or their inner transphobia. It's like just work on your own issues you don't have to come after a whole Speaking community of, you know there was i i outed one of these politician people uh last month month before before that so she was one of these people who had one of those we just want privacy you know we we don't hate trans people we just want to marginalize them so they can't be a part of society people weird we just want to put them on our own island and i'm like at this point let's put them on their own island come on well what her shtick was was she would uh go on these various right-wing alt-right uh news outlets and decry trans people as the perverts, you know, are entering our private space where we're undressed. And as a rape survivor, 
as as someone who is a victim of sexual assault this is not okay and the question would be was she sexually assaulted by a trans person no but well wait 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 (laughs) as as it turns out so she was uh working at this christian group group place for wayward boys uh-oh. And yeah, you can hear at, it coming. At, yeah, you? at this point, and, all and, those of us who have been abused are like gulping uh-huh, back. That's right. Getting a little sad. Uh-huh. A little and, trigger warning. And what happened was she started fucking the kids. Aww. And got pregnant. Wait, wait a minute. This is the person who wants us to have problems. This is the person the Heritage Foundation. <laughs> The Heritage Foundation had her up there talking oh, no. about trans people and how their trans people are a risk to your sexual safety. Yeah, but you That's know, horrible. We just went from archives to like trigger warnings. You know, right, no I, mean, right. I mean, yeah. It uh, turns out that the people who don't like trans people don't seem to care a whole lot for women except as something to be mm-hmm. used and used. That's right. It, it, yeah. And, and you know, it's sort of like every hour of every day you get <laughs> someone else showing up. And the whole Me Too um, thing. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. And, well, and it's still going on on Facebook and like that. Mm-hmm. There's still people posting the Me Too. And, and, I mean, every time there was a hate bill for trans people in Texas, there was, uh, you know, on a separate date, one for abortion support, you know, uh-huh. one for good medical care. And, uh, a lot of people came to me and said, well, you know, how come you're so about trans rights and you're not about abortion rights? I'm like, how, how do you know that trans people don't get abortions? Like, and like, well, like go on, go on Twitter and search pro-trans, pro-choice as a tag. And mm-hmm. what you'll find is us volunteering at abortion clinic as yes. defenders like keeping yes. people safe yeah. as they walk to the abortion clinic many of and us have been there say, for all along all how along you, how can you say you're pro-life when you're doing things that could kill people mm-hmm. and do they kill a lot of people going in and out of abortion clinics not many because they aren't very good at it mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean seriously it, it it's not for lack of trying and trying to kill doctors and that and the bit of saying that you defend life by killing people? Oh, the last time I was there at, at the abortion clinic, defending the abortion clinic from these nuts, this this the, the, the police were called because someone was on a bullhorn threatening the life of the abortion doctor. Right, and, and that Which person, happens all the time. They probably mm-hmm. weren't tried, they should be tried, and basically taken off of the street out of that area because mm-hmm. if you're threatening the life of someone because you're, quote, defending life oh but he was doing it in the name of god so then therefore it's okay i guess that's how it plays out directly to god i wonder (laughs) in his mind he did sure (laughs) well and and he could pray in his own home you know he doesn't need a bullhorn and uh one of the things that i loved about the women's uh movement this year and all the celebrities getting up and talking was you know really highlighting what Planned Parenthood does for people it's not just Mm -hmm. abortions they support cancer screenings they support mammograms they support hormones they support a lot of other things like when you shut those places down you shut down places where your family can get support and again now open for the Texas Unity uh, banquet 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Poppy. 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 <laughs> and if you don't know who Poppy is, go look at our website. Look her up. <laughs> and and TFAHouston.com. So to speak, the national <laughs> president of now that literally didn't know what she was, where she was coming to or that she was going to the bank, but Poppy just says, you're coming with me. <laughs> that's Poppy. And if you know Poppy, it, it's not a choice. <laughs> that's right. That's Poppy. This, you just go do it. <laughs> And, and, you know, Poppy was the first female that worked in mission control at NASA. Uh, yeah. Wow. She was, and a lot of other things. Uh-huh, <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, we've got a Life magazine. I think it's Life or Times yeah, or something Life. that profiled her. And I think it was in the 60s or 70s. Yep. And we got her to sign it and everything. And it's donated to the Trans Archive with her signature. But it's her interview at Mission Control. Wow. And... That was before that um, sexual equality was universal in the workplace. Absolutely. Shall we say? I mean, in the uh, until the seventy, people don't grasp this, but until the seventies, there were banks who would not open a checking account to a woman be, without a male cosigner. There were there were laws in a lot of states. Texas had a law against women holding property rights, et cetera, without a male cosigner. I mean, and that was in the seventies. Yeah, and so, you know, God, one of the things that I need to do better with this podcast is, like, work on educating people about the various things that we're doing. It's like people see like this slice or that slice. They're not saying, oh, we've got a Brazilian group. We have the Trans Advocate. We do podcasts. We have the largest community-owned trans archive out there we've got uh, disaster relief programs we've got you know we've even got this we we created a program a literal like program Moni created to track trans deaths and violence we've got we've got gender real we've got gender real we show di- different gender expressions over film and we, we, and we do fun with pride all the time. <laughs> and then we've got the Intersex Society. Uh, the, the, the Houston Intersex Society, this is the name of the group. Yes. That, and, and they've pushed through. I think they, they were the first group in Texas to actually get a bill considered. They were considered. the first group in the country to get a bill actually introduced, and it made it through committee. And it That's amazing. Which is a big deal. It, it usually takes three passes to get to the point where it could possibly pass. And the, this is number one, and it made it further than anyone thought it would. The group was the first to get a public building lit up uh, for uh, Intersex Awareness Day. You know, so, got, and that's just like the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> and there, I was just given a magazine where they're in the TMC Plus, the Texas Medical Center magazine for october it was a, a harvey issue but it was also talking about intersex awareness because it was during the same month ah so was was that uh an article uh that covered the it was on the, the common intersex society yeah the in the common surgical practices ah. that are being uh reevaluated. right oh good yeah that, that's what the law was about because with the intersex community there's a strong question about the snap decisions that some doctors make to do mm-hmm. essentially a sex change operation on a baby before anybody's had any comments on it or anything else. Right. Like a big after birth. Deal. 
and, and they feel that that's very questionable. Yes, and, and, and in fact, uh, an, a big issue that the intersex community has to deal with is uh, what is referred to as intersex genital mutilation, mm -hmm. because these doctors are going in and removing areas that are sensitive that, uh, you know, people will need later in life, and they just, you know, remove them because it's important to that particular doctor to make this, to force this body to, to conform to a certain cultural idea of what bodies are supposed to look like. It's and the parents are led into this is the right thing to do for their, their child, and they don't necessarily even talk about it until down the line when maybe they uh, their youth that ends up becoming an adult has questions about their forming mm -hmm. and they may or may not even be able to answer that they may or not even be able to be alive or or even have any medical records right and it, it's back to trying to force everything to a quote normative gender binary which doesn't exist. I mean, binaries don't exist in nature. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's all a conspiracy, an Obama conspiracy. I was talking. I, you know, I, I just, Obama must be one of the most powerful people in the world if you listen to the I, Republicans. I, I want I want y'all to listen to this clip of a uh, a school board member that I interviewed by bamboozling her into thinking that I'm a southern lady from the deep south in Houston, Texas, who can't stand this transgender agenda. And, and I got her on tape talking about how this trans stuff is all an Obama conspiracy to bring down the nation and she was dead serious and then please listen to the comparison of how we could be as a human being in the human existence in this current paradigm with the other interview Kristen did from the lady in Colorado who protects the trans kids and says we just don't know why that one parent keeps telling the media to come here and harass this trans child oh, oh, yes. that was a really great interview Kristen I, I, I will uh, I will link that in the description of this uh, like here's podcast. what to do and here's what not to do can we please move forward together yeah so what was happening was a right-wing group uh, called the Pacific Justice Institute was lying and claiming that this uh, this trans person was uh, uh, you know harassing sexually harassing the girls in the bathroom and um, it, it turns out that that was all a lie uh, we we actually debunked it we were the ones out of all the, this was international news covered all over the world without ever fact-checking anything from this hate group and yes it is a hate group Southern Poverty Law Center uh, named them a hate group for their activities and pushed this trans girl to the brink of suicide and it was all alive to try to pass one of their so-called bathroom bills. And, you know, this is just like the stuff that they did with Planned Parenthood, where they faked a video, they oh. faked everything with it, but <laughs> oh, nothing no, being yeah. done about mm -hmm. that. I mean, all mm -hmm. of the people who are in it for truth and just out crusading because of this fake body part video. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh -huh. yes, yes. I remember and, that. And, you know, total lie. Planned Parenthood took the hit. They never got it back. That's right. Well, and a lot of people always ask me, Robin, how, you know, huh, I care about the trans community and I know that the bathroom deal is is a lie in this issue. So, how can I be an ally and and talk this person that's uninformed through this situation? Like what is there to say? And I mean, 
for me, I tell them you can tell within four minutes if this person is interested in being educated or if they're persistent in the lies of being ignorant. Because, like, if if they care more about a fictitious child that is not currently in the bathroom that they don't know more than (laughs) than than the like factual documented hate murders and whatnot of trans people then i don't really have the time to talk to them no. you know i mean i i can't talk i i love this little fake kid that you know happens to be not without their parents in the bathroom but it, it after being at dor and listening to the to the murders not going down but going up like on average we usually have about what we what we could see being 120 to 150 horrible horrible deaths happening to trans people around the world those are just the ones we can find and it's going up if you don't care about that then i'm not really sure you care about this bathroom topic like the caring goes right out the window for some of these people Well, exactly and there was this news reporter that uh, I I uh, debunked their story. They went to another anti-LGBT group who claimed that there was a kid in the school system who was hiding out in the girls' bathroom and scuttling up the walls to you know peep over the 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 the, the partitions and take pictures of little girls peeing. And uh, he didn't fact check it. He just went on the news and started reporting that. That started getting traction because none of the news reports that were repeating just this anti-LGBT's claim, none of them actually fact checked anything and just ran with it. And of course, we fact checked it and turned out to be completely false. And, and that that's what happens a lot of times because everybody's in such a hurry to get their story out because they don't want to be scooped by somebody else and and those things uh one of the things that you know i do quite a bit of is with some of the papers if they send me stuff i frequently we know about it Mm. but a lot of times if we don't know about it there's a reasonableness Right, right. I I mean, it's it's like everything else. We sort of know things that (laughs) people are likely to do, and 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 sometimes you'll hear something and be like, "Yeah, that that probably is real." (laughs) And and over the decades, you can see these lies are just being recycled, you know, and 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 they don't even have the the decency to change some of the pamphlets they used during the civil rights, like you know. there's there's this pamphlet put out by this uh, right wing group that said that if the Equal Rights Amendment, which was in the 1970s, women were trying to get past this uh, uh, constitutional amendment, that women have equal rights. That was the thing, and and the conversation was if women have equal rights, then that means that men can go into the bathrooms, hang out in bathrooms, and you know what will happen then. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they're exactly so the many same people words. have been they, lied to. You just heard, can't. You have you have to do what Alexis does. You have to be like, wait a minute, like, <laughs> exactly. Just say that. Just just say, wait a minute, so, and like, but, like don't retweet stuff. Just think about. It. Just be like, wait a minute. Like, have we heard this before? And sometimes you'll be going down the road and you'll be like, hang wait, on, wait, wait, hang, wait, on hang on, wait a minute. <laughs> This sounds like they've been using this one for decades. So, so we've got the Monday night meeting happening. Uh, I don't believe. I think we're kind of like running towards the end of the year. No big uh, events coming up, especially here in the Houston area. But 
one of the big things between now and the end of the year is we're going to be doing a lot of planning of things we're doing oh, next year. Oh, yes. We, we, we actually are going to take some time to do some planning. So it's time <laughs> to go to... Doing, doing yeah. well, we're going doing. to be intentional about next well, year. If you no, want to no. volunteer, let us know at tfahouston.com if you want to be a part of things that you see that maybe we could, would, should be doing. It's a perfect time, but also it's the perfect time to check in with community. Don't just isolate or not do stuff. Like, reach out and make up your own occasion to get together. That's right. And if you happen to be a writer and would like to write for the Trans Advocate, you can uh, go to thetransadvocate.com. There's a place where you can submit your uh, material. And if you, uh, you know, write for us for a little bit, in fact, we do pay for articles, FYI. Um, if you do write for us for a little bit, you'll find yourself added to the Trans, uh, the trans Advocate Writers Collective, which has just about every trans writer you know of. <laughs> it, it's rather amazing who's on the list. And if you're not a writer and you just love listening to this because you have been listening to this, you have access to reviewing and sharing, and that would make a huge difference to get the word out. Absolutely. And if you're in Houston or going to be in Houston, let us know. We'd love to have you drop in and sit here and harass you like we harass each other <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah, if you have any ideas of who we should interview and perhaps have on the podcast, just let us know. And so we're going to do this again next week, yeah? Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll see you around the same time next weekend, yeah? Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Have a nice holiday. If you like hearing trans advocate essays and podcasts, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play and Stitcher. Please rate and review us. This really helps our work become more visible. If you have any comments or suggestions for who we should interview next on our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter or through our contact form at transadvocate.com. Alternatively, you can call our tip line at 708 274 7826. If you're a member of the trans, intersex or genderqueer community and need help because you're a victim of an officially declared disaster, you can get it at our Trans Disaster Relief Fund at tdrfund.us. If you're a trans or a trans ally and are currently going to college or trade school, you can apply for one of our scholarships. Moreover, if you need help getting the word out about your trans community fundraiser, we'd love to help you get the word out. The Trans Advocate is a project of the Transgender Foundation of America, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Lastly, remember to always register and vote no matter what. listening to the trans advocate podcast produced by Kristen williams trans advocate podcasts are copyright by the transgender foundation of america all rights are reserved the transgender foundation of america is not responsible for the opinions or comments by individual participants peter piper picked a peck of pickled peppers One, two, three, one, two, three.
Kristen's like, I don't really know Peter. That's just as much as I can say. <laughs> we never met. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> You know, we have reverted to like the the humor I liked in like second grade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you couldn't say the word that you're putting in there. It's a humor word because that would have not been okay in second grade. It would have been so forked out mouth. Wild parents are chuckling and laughing about the fact that you did that. Yep. yep. That's exactly right. I'm not going to do that. No peppers. She so sells in 11, 12, and no those peppers, sorts of things. No Peter, but nothing, no nothing. Peter, 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 Yay, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? She sells seashells by the seashore. Going back to the good one, two, three, four. <laughs> Rubber baby buggy it's bumpers. Great, Rubber baby buggy know. bumpers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why did we start doing this? <laughs> so, that part where you're an adult and you find out what these things are really about. You're like, oh my God, London Bridge is cruising me out. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.